everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode, oh my gosh. Look at her butt. Well, half this episode, oh my gosh. Half this, well, both oh my goshes, but the second half is what we're oh my goshing about. So this was a double date. No, that's our show on Fridays. Double date line. This was a double date line. I don't know the last time they did this. It's very rare. They used to do it all the time, but now they don't do it very much. Yeah. So the first half was Christian Smart. And though we love that, that's a very sad story. I shouldn't say we love that. We love that podcast. I am a fan of In Your Backyard. Yes, it's a great podcast. We love Mank. We've been begging for more Mank and it was a Mank. And so we would have done it in a heartbeat had the second episode, the second hour of the two hour dateline hadn't been about the murder murders. And Katie did not know about this because she's not on social media. She watches actual news. Sometimes. When I heard she hadn't heard about this, I was pumped because this story is insane. It is. It's bonkers. It's, I call it the next Lori Vallow. And I think it goes back even further than we know. This should have been a five hour dateline. I'm sure there's going to be more. There's stuff from centuries ago. There is. That I think happened in that family because I read about one thing and then I couldn't find the source today. It's so big that last month there was a clip someone sent me of Mank on TMZ coming out of a restaurant and TMZ is like, Josh Mankiewicz, Josh Mankiewicz, what do you think of this Murdoch thing? What do you think is happening? Are you doing the case? He's like, someone else is doing the case, but we're on it. Don't worry, we're there. That story is insane. He's like, I don't even know. There's more stuff coming out every day with that case. It's bananas. So like even TMZ was asking Josh Mankiewicz about it. It's a wild case. Did, did I hype it up too much for you? You did just right. It was fine. Okay, good. I trust your judgment. So when you said it was multiple crimes and all this stuff. So I was kind of ready for it, but I was still surprised that there were so many crimes. Yes. But the power thing is weird to watch. It makes my stomach hurt a little bit, like it probably does most people who have a moral center. But just to confirm, we will be covering the Kristen Smart portion of this. And hopefully we can get my sister on for it because she was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo when this was happening. But That'll be at another time because this case is enough for two episodes of ours. It's plenty. Absolutely. Murdoch is plenty. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was called Murdoch. And I think it's pronounced Murdoch, but the G-H slash C-K sound kind of fades away. It is pronounced Murdoch. Yeah. But everyone, I think, in the South just goes Murdoch. 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 An article I read specifically said pronounced Murdoch. Yes. And had D-O-C-K. Yeah. We have another way bigger pronunciation problem that we're going to get to right now. So, yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So this is called Murdoch Power, Privilege and Scandal, a.k.a. the new Lori Fallow case. I wrote that wrong. I wrote Power, Privilege and Power. That's great. (laughs) It's so powerful. They had to say it twice. Season three, episode six. It aired on Friday, October 29th, hosted by Mr. Craig Melvin, not one of our regular hosts who I love. He's on Investigation Discovery all the time, introducing Datelines. Also, he's from the Today Show. And I call him Calvin because when I read Craig Melvin, it blurs into C. Melvin and that blurs into Kelvin. And then Kelvin just becomes Calvin. So most likely I'll be calling Calvin. We might be the same person. I wrote Calvin several times in my notes. I'm not joking. Yeah, I understand. 
I melded it too. It's a melder. But I might have put that in your head because I've said that before on the show. Okay, never mind. We're not that similar. Scratch that. I think I put it in your head. I think I just incepticized you. I'm probably going to keep calling him uh, Calvin by accident. So, uh, Adam, maybe you need to do a little uh, find and replace and replace every time I call him Calvin with Craig. Sorry. Apologies. Calvin, Calvin or Calvin. Calvin. Um, okay. Say say Craig. Like, first of all, try to get it in your brain. Say Craig a few Craig. times and then he has things to Craig. replace it with. Craig. 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 One in a southern Craig. accent. <laughs> Craig. Craig. Oh, Craig. Hang out by the creek with me, Craig. That was Scottish and Wisconsin somehow. A Scot in Wisconsin. So we're in South Carolina. Things are going nuts in South Carolina. It is lit. If by lit, you mean there are lots of horrific crimes going on. Swirling around the patriarch of one of the most powerful families in the area, Alex slash Alec Murdoch. Now, I was very confused. I kept rewinding. As did I. His name is Alex, but apparently on Twitter, a local said that locals pronounce Alex as Alec. Because I guess if you're, that's how you know you have an accent. If you pronounce a totally normal name in a completely different way, that's how you have an accent. Well, now I'm even more confused. I really wish you hadn't told me that because I wrote down exactly who called him Alex and who called him Alec. (laughs) Who called him Alec is Craig Melvin. He called him Alec. And the Wall Street Journal reporter both call him Alec. Right. You know why? Because they're northerners. No, because the person that calls him Alex the most is the reporter literally from the town. Yes. Then I don't understand. Calls him Alex over and over again. Now. Here's the clincher. Why we need to refer to him as Alec is because in his 911 call, they say, who is this? And he says, this is Alec Murdoch. So there we have it. That's what he called himself. So we are going to go with Alec. I want to call him Alexis. I want to call him the farthest thing from that because he does not deserve to decide how he pronounces his name. We do not have to respect him. So just probably the baseline thing everyone needs to know is that Alec himself called himself Alec. That's all we got. Yeah, but we don't respect him enough to follow his preferences. So we're going to call him Alex Alec. It's not going to be confusing at all. So Craig calls him a scion, which I thought was a great SAT word. Good for you. Yeah. He says it's worthy of a Southern Gothic novel. It's Faulkner. Shakespeare. It's Grisham. Later on, they're going to say it's a totally different author. So we're going to have four authors that this story is just like. So get ready. Pop Pop gets a Grisham. That becomes important in a minute for a very specific reason, which was my OMG episode, the OMG moment of the episode. Actually, it doesn't come important until later, but that's fine. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. We're just dropping the Arrested Development things just right away. Get ready. (laughs) The music is so dramatic at the beginning, like a lot of fast string instruments. And then it slows down to like a guitar. It's very chill. And Calvin says, everybody, like Southern all of a sudden. I thought he was Mm going to do it the whole episode, but he only does that first part. Everybody in Hampton, South Carolina knows Alex Alec Murdoch. He's a fourth generation lawyer 
a century-old legal dynasty. And that's when we meet Michael DeWitt, the local paper editor. Alec was a husband and father of two sons. They seemed to be a happy family. Seemed to be. Everything kind of started. It didn't really start then. It started way long ago. But when the public, and by the public, I mean across the country, started to become aware of what happened, it was this past June. And so it's really recent. Really recent. He called 911 to say his wife and his son had been shot, and he's calling from his 17,000-acre home in the country. They be wealthy. His wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, have been shot to death. And then we meet the Wall Street Journal reporter, Valerie Borline, who calls him Alec, right? She does. Oh, also, the son is a younger son. Correct. The son is only 22 years old. They don't tell us that right off the bat. Yes. Sorry. Correct. They find shell casings that match maybe a murder weapon that is missing from the house. And so we don't know if that's the actual murder weapon. I don't remember if that's actually confirmed, but it's missing. The mystery is about to deepen in ways no one saw coming. And that's when I was like, I do not know how they're going to fit this into a one hour episode. And I got very annoyed because sometimes datelines, I love them. They don't, shouldn't be a two hour. And they put in a lot of extraneous stuff to stretch it out. And I know that that is not them. That is NBC. So they have told us that sometimes they will have a story that they think is going to be a two hour. And then NBC will be like, nope, you're airing it at a one hour slot. They have to cut it down or the reverse and they have to bulk it up. So this should be a two hour. This should be a multi-night, like the widower got three nights. This should be a three nighter. Well, I think it's going to be. I think it will be too. In their defense, I think we're going to come back because it's so new. But also something I noticed in this one, they're incredibly careful. And I think it's because we're dealing with just a litany of lawyers. I've never seen so many lawyers on screen at one time. I stopped writing their names down, Kimberly. That's how many lawyers there were. Oh, I stopped. I had the same reaction. They were just very guarded in the information they were giving and how they were presenting it. Because not everything has been finalized. A lot of stuff is just alleged right now. And so, and there's more that they just, certain things they just didn't even mention because they're trying not to get sued. We might mention them. We're going to mention them because we can say allegedly and we can say, oh, we heard this from here. But Dateline can't, they're too big. They can't do that. Yeah, exactly. So for more than a century, the Murdochs have been like royalty, controlling most of the legal system in their area. It started in 1910 with Randolph Murdoch, which is the fancy schmanciest name. Does he know Deborah Tipton? And he was the first, Randolph Murdoch the first. Oh boy. Because there's going to be way more. He started the law firm that's still around today. He was the prosecuting attorney, which is a powerful position also called a solicitor. Solicitor? Solicitor general? Something like that. They're in charge of all the prosecutions that go on, basically. So he held that for 20 years. And then he was replaced by his son, the second. And he was replaced by his son, the third. And we see the photos. And let's just say, generic, pasty, white man, except for the first. The first Randolph looks quite dapper, like um, a silent movie film star. Mm. Yes, you're wrong. That's just the photography style. Chiseled jaw, (laughs) interesting eyes. Mm. (laughs) 
he when he was young. The problem is we're seeing a really young photo and then we're seeing old, pasty men photos for the other two, the second and the third, who look exactly the same and who look exactly like Alex Alec. What Alec Murdoch looks like in every single one of his pictures, a baby that's a man. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a baby that was turned into a man suddenly and is surprised about it. <laughs> it's unarming because you think that maybe they're going to be nice like a baby and he's an angry baby. No. In fact, they might actually like enjoy wearing a diaper and be treated like a baby. I have a whole section on theories. Okay. And it involves a lot of secret societies and items of that nature. So, yeah, uh-huh. I spent a good hour trying to figure out if they were in the skull and bones. Let's just right. say that. <laughs> no, for sure. I don't think they're in the Illuminati. I do think it's more skull and bones. I think it's a college fraternity that goes deep and Joshua Jackson made a movie about it. I think that uh, they should have a list of members of Skull and Bones online that I can readily find and not have to go to the dark web. I think that's why they're in Skull and Bones so that they won't be found out. And they wear masks with different animal heads on them at their meetings and cloaks so that you don't even know who your fellow members are. And they sacrifice poor people. That's what they do. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly. We're now... No, if anyone said it, it was Katie and it was not me. Also, don't come after me. Come Go after Reddit. I don't make these things up myself. Come on. So the Murdochs also ran a civil law firm. Personal injury was their focus. And they won huge amounts of money in lawsuits. So it was very lucrative. Basically, you don't cross this family. And even now, few people in the town want to talk badly about them. I read one article in Time that was saying CNN said that they tried to learn more about the family history. And parents, children, siblings, lawyers, friends, and pastors didn't answer their phones or doors. Strangers politely declined to speak or outright kept walking. First of all, that might be because you're CNN and they don't trust you around those parts. But secondly, they are scared of the Murdochs. Oh, very clearly. I never have had so much trouble researching something as I had with this on a very specific issue. Yeah. Now, did you find the thing? So like months ago, when this first started coming out, I read something about the great grandfather or the grandfather, something that happened a really, really long time ago turn of the century, but I couldn't remember what it was. That that he died in like a railway accident, that he died in an odd way. He did die in an odd way. I felt like it was something more criminal. I spent a lot of my time looking up one very specific issue, which comes at the end, which we are literally given absolutely zero information on. Yeah. And that's totally hearsay right now. Which I'm assuming was an open door to be like... Google this. You guys can look it up. I swear that's what it was. 100%. And so I was like, you're basically giving every armchair detective with a passion for these issues to go for this. And so there's a lot of stuff. I was able to find a few things. So when we get there, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So in 2016, everything was going great for the family. This is now Alex's family. Alex, whatever. The third Randolph, Alex's father, retired as solicitor and his sons didn't want to take over. So the dynasty was sort of coming to an end in one way, but the civil law firm continued on with Alec Alex as a partner. 
So he was still really powerful. Interestingly, Alec Alex's father died three days after the double murders, which is crazy. That is interesting. They don't tell us that. That's curious. They don't tell us that. Alex's alibi when his son and wife were being murdered was that he was at the hospital visiting his father, who then died three days later. Why aren't they telling us that? That's a very important piece of this. They want people to think it was him, but it could still be him. But it's clearly not him. He could have just killed, hired someone to do it, allegedly. But it's not him. Do they tell us about how the bodies are found? No. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Well, the son is not found in the home. The son is found outside. And also, they were shot with two completely different guns. We talk about the gun that the mom was shot with, but I don't think that they mentioned that the son, Paul, is shot with a rifle. Right. Like a shotgun. From the interviews that I saw, the one piece that has like kind of been hinted at is that they're looking for two people, two shooters. Yeah. So yeah, I guess he could be one of them, but... Yeah. I feel like he's also the kind of person that doesn't get his hands dirty, allegedly, and would allegedly find someone to do this for him. So the law enforcement, it's called the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, a.k.a. SLED, which is a silly, silly acronym because it reminds you of children going down a hill in the snow and it's delightful and it makes you want to sing songs about snowmen and things, but it is actually solving (laughs) murders. I kind of liked it. Well, all the stuff was really impressive. They had all these banners and like shields and stuff. Sled. Sled, sled, sled. You had to say it like that though. Yeah, you have to say it like SWAT. You're basically saying SWAT, but you're saying sled instead. Sled, sled, assemble. Yeah. Let's slide down this hill and solve that crime faster. So Alec, Alex's attorney, get ready for the litany of lawyers, a litigious amount of lawyers in this episode, a parade, a menagerie of lawyers. It's terrifying. That never stops coming. It's just coming and you can't keep track of them. And they all look the same except for one who looks totally different. His name is Johnny. But the rest are like older gentlemen. And they all seem to have gray hair. I was very confused. Anyways, doesn't matter. It does kind of matter. There's a lot of them. A couple that matter. Most of them don't really matter. So Alex, Alex's attorney says, well, maybe they're saying he's a person of interest, but there's nothing linking him to these murders. So don't worry about it. There's rumors that Maggie had seen a divorce attorney. Mm. Oh, boy. Now his other attorney, because he has two we're not, I'm not going to bother saying their names. I'm guessing he has 15. Oh, he has a team. He has a team. His other attorney tells Craig Melvin, a.k.a. Calvin, on the Today Show that he didn't murder them. That is what you're supposed to say. He, you're his lawyer. All of the crimes that we are about to dive into in this episode, I felt like really required stamina and sustenance, not just for us, but for the people committing all of the crimes. You cannot literally build your entire life and family around crime without proper nutrition sources. You'll sugar crash halfway through and quit. And no one likes a quitter, Katie. No, that's true because quitters never win. No. And you know what you have never quit on? Monk pack. 
eating a monk hack bar you've never stopped halfway through, have you? And said, I'll save this for later. No, no, I have because I had one of that flavor left. Oh, so, so I, I saved it for later. You rationed. So, no, yeah. I definitely have rationed them, but that was out of necessity. Look, healthy snacks have a bad reputation, much like the Murdoch clan. <laughs> and let's be honest, most don't taste very good of all of the aforementioned. Much like the Murdoch clan. Correct. They don't fill you up and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings unless you're craving death and destruction and power. <laughs> we are very excited to tell you about Monk Pack Bars who make healthy snacks that taste like your favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less and no murder or power involved. Yes. Well, I guess they make you feel powerful. Yeah, that's true. A little bit. But in a good way, like you're going to save the world. Yeah, like exactly. Like an Avenger, what kind of way. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They are amazing for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anybody who's trying to eat better or just cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have a perfect balance of sweet and salty a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage by magic to be soft and chewy. I don't know how they do it. It's incredible. It's magic. It is. They come in delicious flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate. I personally always want the macadamia white chocolate or the pumpkin seed cinnamon almond, but there's a variety pack so you can try all six at once. It's amazing. You get one of each of the variety pack and you can have it delivered. And so you can do like a taste test. Bye to this one. Bye to that one. It's great. Maybe a pairing menu type situation. I love a variety pack more than maybe anything in life. You like have scorecards down. You're like crunch. I give it a this flavor. I give it a this. But they all get 10s. Yeah, they all get a 10 for crunch and a 10 for flavor. They are the perfect quick snack to satisfy your sweet tooth without worrying about your sugar intake. But they also don't leave you with that nasty aftertaste that you get with some low sugar snacks. You know, it's like that weird tinny taste in the back of your mouth. I hate it. Monk Pack has none of that. They just taste delicious. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars are perfect as a quick breakfast or running errands or just sitting in front of your computer editing a podcast. And in addition to being keto friendly, the bars are also gluten free, plant based, non GMO, with no soy, trans fat, sugar alcohols, or artificial colors. Basically, they're just made of magic. We're obsessed with these bars. We definitely eat more than we should. But to make sure that both of us are always fully stocked, we have signed up for subscriptions to our favorite flavors, which saves 10% on every order and ships them automatically. And also, I believe your mother is subscribed. Uh-huh. And I also wish my mom would take a note from your mom and stop stealing mine. That would make my life a lot nicer at home. Getting these delicious treats delivered on a regular basis has been a complete game changer. And I am very excited to be eating healthier. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for our listeners right now. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code date dateline at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product, try the variety pack, and then enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack is delicious, nutritious food you can count on. 
monk pack keto nut and seed dude dude try the variety variety the spice of life i don't know why i'm pushing the variety pack i really like the variety pack because i like to have one of each sometimes you're in a mood for one you're not in the mood for the other yeah thank you so much monk pack thank you monk pack now we rewind oh boy rewind i remember that i remember that we're on a boat we're on a boat Take a good hard look because we're sailing on a boat. These are multiple songs. It is 2019. A bunch of teenagers are on a boat and they probably were singing that song because I'm basically as mature as a teenager and I sing that song every time I'm on a boat. Paul and his girlfriend. Paul is the son that was murdered. We're rewinding when he was still alive. Paul and his girlfriend and two other young couples. They're all under 21. And they're all wasted. So that spells disaster. Drunk teens on a boat. The boat crashes and sadly, 19-year-old Mallory Beach is missing. Three others are injured. Search and rescue is looking for her. And then we kind of see how we got here. So Paul had used his older brother's ID and his mom's credit card to buy $50 worth of alcohol that night. Paul insisted on going to a bar even though they had already been partying for like four hours, he did not want to go home. And the boat doesn't have running lights. So they were all using either their phones as flashlights, I think, or flashlights to kind of navigate where the boat was going. It's all just horrible. It's a little confusing. I didn't understand because they go to like an oyster bake or whatever on an island. Yeah, they're just hopping from bar to bar. I guess I don't understand the channels and stuff. But like on the boat. On the boat. Yeah. Going from you dock the boat, you go to a bar and then you get back on the boat and you go to another bar. They go to a bar and order shots. Then they go back on the boat. Apparently, Paul was out of control, but insisting on driving the boat. Now, an article that I read said that Paul had a deranged alter ego when he drank, whose name was Timmy. But I feel like the friends said it like Timmy because they hated when Timmy came out. Timmy. That's the voice. I just can't do it. So Timmy was volatile, but at the same time also liked to strip down to his boxer shorts when he was drunk. Yeah, that seems right. And Paul slash Timmy did strip down to his boxer shorts that night on the boat, even though it was 40 degrees out. So that gives you some idea of how drunk he was. One of the girls that survives the boat crash is telling the police about the moment when she saw the bridge that they were headed straight towards. And it sounds just terrifying. And many of them were thrown from the water, but Mallory never came up out of the water. And it's dark out. So only one of them died. Only one of them died. Several were injured badly. Were they badly injured? Yeah. They don't tell us what the injuries were. So I couldn't tell if somebody had paralyzed. No, one of them had a broken jaw. That's badly to me. I guess not paralyzed. I thought that was Paul. No, that's Connor. Oh, Connor had the broken jaw. Okay, yeah. okay. That's, yeah, that's not great. No one can see Mallory. We see dash cam footage of after the accident and Anthony who is Mallory's boyfriend, is crying. He's so upset, but he also seems to be really, really angry at Paul slash Timmy. And he's saying, get that mf away from me. 
And I read in an article that Anthony told police that Paul had gotten into a fight with his girlfriend before the crash and had slapped her. So Paul was terrible and out of control that night. And now Mallory is missing. There's extended footage of that dash cam thing. And he's like, why are you laughing? He's really angry because I guess that Paul's chuckling. Laughing. Yeah, after everything. And Mallory is missing. And it's horrifying. You guys, we don't like to speak ill of the dead, but Paul was clearly a bag of wieners. And endangered the lives of all of his friends, anybody out there on that boat, pedestrians on the land, everyone was in danger because he should not have been driving that boat. Also, Paul wasn't given a sobriety test at the hospital after the crash Mm -hmm. because his dad and his uncle showed up to prevent it. So it's nice to be rich and have lawyers in the family. Then we hear from one lawyer who I think was Anthony's lawyer, but honestly, this parade of lawyers never ended. So at the hospital, Connor, who was on the boat, has a broken jaw and he's in a wheelchair and he's waiting for x-rays, which is when Alex Alex shows up to see his son, Paul. But he approaches Connor and he tells him allegedly to keep his mouth shut, which is one, just a horrible thing to say to someone who's been in an accident where your son was at fault and you're like kind of threatening him to not talk. But also he broke his jaw. Don't tell him to keep his mouth shut. It's going to be wired shut because he has a broken jaw. Oh, you're so right. That's not right. That is tacky to say that. really not okay. Yeah. So Alec Alex recommends to Connor, I know this lawyer that you should hire. This lawyer, he doesn't mention to Connor, is his BFF, basically, and Paul's godfather. He doesn't tell Connor, which is a huge conflict of interest for him to hire this lawyer who's obviously not going to go against the Murdochs. Connor later sues the Murdochs with a different lawyer. Of course. Lawyer number 17. A week later, Mallory's body is found and it's just horrible. She was 19 years old and it was just a tragedy. Paul is charged with boating under the influence causing death. And now two years later, he and his mom are dead. Now, at this point, Craig asked two of the lawyers, not sure which ones, maybe Connor's or maybe Alec Alex's. Do you think the boat crash is related to the murders? Which everyone is thinking yes, but they always ask those questions. Right. It's pretty, there's a high, high probability that they're somehow related. And if you think you're done with the craziness yet, you ain't seen nothing yet, kids. But before we move on from the boat, I have a question really quick. Okay. Does he go to prison for the boat? No, he is just still, when he was murdered, he is, the trial hasn't happened yet. And it's two years later? Yeah. It often takes that long. I'm just wondering what a sentence is for something like that. Also, surprisingly, he was allowed to go back to school. College was like, sure, come on back. He was going to the University of South Carolina. They're like, yeah. That's very interesting because something else I will bring up way later at the end. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when you're rich, you can usually, some schools really pride themselves on the, you want to come back? You build a Murdoch library for us. Sure. I feel like this is more than just being rich. I feel like this is all about law. Yeah, power. People are scared to go up against this family of lawyers. Like you're going to get pummeled. They know every judge 
They know every prosecutor. They can get charges put against you. They can have charges dropped for you if you're on their good side. This is a terrifying situation. Yeah. Now we fast forward. Mm -hmm. Fast forward. I don't usually, I don't do that song because it doesn't work. So three months after Paul and Maggie are shot. So now we are in the current 2021, the second year after the worst year of our Lord, 2020. And it's three months since Paul and mom Maggie are shot. Alex Alec, he's making another 911 call. And it starts off very strange. There are so many things that are sus about this 911 call. He should have rehearsed more. He says, I got a flat tire and somebody stopped to help me. And like, he's giving all these details. And then he totally, I I turned around and they were going to help me. And then he full on buries the lead. They And then they tried to shoot me. (laughs) And then the 911 person is like, wait, whoa, whoa. Well, I thought you were just telling me about your flat tire. Did they try to shoot you or did they shoot you? And he says, no, they shot me. I'm bleeding a lot. Why give the exposition about your flat tire? Start with, I've been shot, send help right now. You don't need to tell him about your whole day and the errands you were running and why you were on that road and the person that, no, just say, I've been shot, come here now. Also, they tried to shoot me. Is very much like when killers on Dateline say, I would never hurt her. I would never do something like that. Oh, yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah, you're right. It's one of those slip of the tongues that just makes it sound very odd. Does it not? It's insane. And then they say, well, where are you shot? And he yeah. says, my head. He says, I'm not sure somewhere in my head. I'm not sure. If I was the 911 operator, I might hang up. <laughs> I feel like you're kidding. I might think it was a crank call. You're not calling me if you were shot in the head, sir. You sound fine. You sound fine. Sober up. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> it's not, I mean, I've seen some of those weird like shows where somebody winds up in the ER and they didn't even know they were shot in the head because it just went through in like the weirdest place. Yeah, yeah. Or they I have guess. like a pickaxe stuck in their head and it didn't just didn't hit anything. And they're like, what's going on, guys? What's happening? You have a pickaxe sticking out of your head. Happy Halloween. But that's a medical mystery. And that's why it belongs on that show, which is why a 911 operator would definitely, yeah, hang up. Yeah. And you're not sure where they hit you? It is your head. You'd know. I would think it was, you'd know that it was your head. Anyways, sure, Jan. So his SUV had fancy technology, which I did not know existed. You didn't? Okay. I didn't know about this either. What is it? No clue. Okay. That would let it drive with a flat tire because I don't know, Elon Musk, something. I don't, Tesla. I don't know what kind of. No, it's a Mercedes. Wait a minute. It's called something. I wrote it down. It's called flat run. Apparently you're able to drive, I guess for a while with a flat tire. Rich people, man. I don't know how, like, does it balance it? So the weight is all on the other three tires. Does it balance the whole weight of the car? On those other three tires? I feel like another tire comes down. And then just a whole new tire comes out of nowhere. Oh, that's that would be crazy. But then you had your car would have to be big and there would have to be four secret compartments for four tires. Or your car is a transformer in the bottom and it goes and then it becomes a treat where there's three wheels 
so it becomes a triangle triangulating from wherever the one wheel uh-huh like a tricycle but a fancy suv tricycle correct did it and that is also the plot of the next movie by michael bay michael i was like insert name of the director i'm thinking of who are you thinking of michael bay is exactly okay, the good. person i was thinking of thank you so the medical report says he has a superficial wound. Later, we hear something that makes it sound not superficial at all. So I was a little confused by that. But apparently the medical report says he has a superficial wound. Two days later, Alex Alec announces that he is entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. Not quite sure if he meant the murders of his son and wife or the murder that his own son committed unsure. You need to specify in this family which murder you are speaking of. He says he was addicted to opioids, which apparently was an open secret in the town and had been going on for a very long time. The partners at his law firm totally knew about it. He's actually now resigning from the law firm. Wait, are you being sarcastic? They said no one knew about it. No, I thought they said everyone knew. It was like an open secret. They said no one knew, not even the law, not even the law partners. Oh, I totally misunderstood that. Okay, sorry. No one knew about this. That's why people thought it wasn't true, allegedly, that he was lying about the whole thing. Okay, so no one knew. Yeah. And he was fake going to rehab. It seemed fake. It seemed like an out. This was an excuse for all of this behavior that had happened. I gotcha. So... He is resigning from the law firm now, but it's not because of his opioid addiction. It's there's always more to the story. The partners had actually found a bunch of missing money. I kind of think that Alex Alex, who is now a widower, might be interested in dating the woman from the boat from a few weeks ago, who was also a great embezzler. I can't remember her name. Shannon? No. No. Lisa? Eisenberg was the last name. Why can I remember the last name and not the first name? Martha? Matt Marge? Anyways, she also embezzled a lot of money from charities. So I don't feel that badly for not remembering her name. He had been stealing from his law firm and from clients, and it's in the millions. No one knows the exact amount, but it's in the millions. People start to think that he had this plan to... Get his only living child. Get ready. The older son. Get ready. This is the OMG moment for me anyways. Buster, which is, I'm assuming, a nickname, but not one that a grown man should have. Hey, brother, I'm a monster. I said out loud, it is not. (laughs) Well, no, I think Buster, like Buster Keaton, like Buster's a name. And then Oliver told me there's some baseball player with the first name Buster. It's just a old school name. It's like rich families like the Bluths on Arrested Development and like the Murdochs love the name Buster, I guess. To me, because of Arrested Development, it's kind of been ruined forever. It makes you think of a very simple man who likes juice a lot and who could be tricked into going out into the balcony by being told that there's more juice outside. And who loves his mother too much. And who got a lot of medals. Mother and boy. From Army. And the medals from Army, these are my awards, Mother, from Army, are actually stuffed animals. And dates Liza Minnelli. If you guys haven't seen Arrested (laughs) Development, I don't know how much more we can say to convince you at this point. Just watch, go to YouTube and watch Buster's Best Moments, Arrested (laughs) Development. Because somebody's done 
I'm sure, a million different clip shows. So spend a half an hour of your life and do yourself a favor. Oh, yeah, for sure. He constantly wants to massage you with his hook hand. So they think Alex Alec wants to make Buster the only living close family member, the heir to his money. Whatever money he has that is not going to be taken away from him once he is officially sued for all the money he stole or all the money he's been able to hide because he's going to get that money taken away because he's embezzling it. So they think his plan is to get himself killed so that Buster would get life insurance policy. And he hatches a scheme to hire someone to kill him so that Buster would get apparently a $10 million life insurance policy, which I believe is the highest we've ever heard of on a dateline. That's an insane amount of money. Yeah, it might be. That's crazy. So 12 days after he was shot, things go downhill. So he was trying to commit suicide. He was trying to commit suicide so that he could get the money to Buster. That is what people think. There are other groups of people who think that he is way too selfish and narcissistic to ever commit suicide. I'm in that camp. Katie's in that group. So 12 days after he's shot, he's arrested for insurance fraud. He fully admits, well, this is his story now. So Katie wouldn't believe him. Some people believe him. Some don't. He admits that he asked a very rough looking man, Curtis Eddie Smith, to kill him. Curtis has long, shaggy hair and one suspiciously high eyebrow in his mugshot. He is in his 60s. He is also arrested. Now he's out on bond and Craig sits down with him. And Curtis looks so much better. He has combed back his hair and it makes all the difference in the world. So here's the thing about Curtis, at least the, my problem with Curtis. I could not understand a word Curtis said. Oh, why? His accent combined with maybe other things, I had to put on the subtitles. So he says he didn't do it and he holds no ill will. Not sure to who, maybe to Alec Alex. So he did know Alex Alec, who was his lawyer because he's the lawyer for everyone in the town. He was also distant cousins with Alec Alex because a lot of people in this town are related. I need to ask a question really quick. Go for it. Who bonded him out? How did he get bonded out? A great question. Yeah. How did he get the 20K? How did he get that lawyer? Yeah. he It was a $20,000 bond. Unsure. Yeah. Okay. Unsure. Interesting though. Yeah. So Eddie Curtis, Eddie Smith, the first, I'm assuming, go. he starts doing odd jobs. And the last. And the first and the last is doing odd jobs for Alec Alex, his cousin slash lawyer. And he was injured, uh, had some personal injury, slipped on PP at the Megalomart. I don't know what it was. That's from King of the Hill. Yeah. But he was suing somebody. That's why Alec Alex was his lawyer, by the way, in case you're wondering. So he starts doing odd jobs for cousin Alex Alec. And one day, Alec Alex calls him and says, will you meet me out on this road? This old Sakahachi. Something like that. Something road. Passamaquoddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Alec Alex, when he gets there, Alec Alex asks him, shoot me in the head. And Curtis says, it ain't happening. And Alex Alex says, I need you to. 
I didn't need to be around here no more. And Buster would be better off without me and with my money. So he pulls out a gun. Alex, Alex pulls out a gun. And Eddie Curtis Smith says, no, I'm not doing this. He kind of grabs the arm that has the gun and they're kind of like tossing. It's very hard to understand, not just because he's hard to understand. No, it's just a confusing situation. And apparently the gun goes off. But here's the thing. Curtis says it didn't hit Alex Alec in the head. And he freaked out. He got in his car and he drove away. I never hit him. There was no blood on me. And his lawyer, Johnny, says, what percent are you positive that you didn't shoot him? And Curtis says, a thousand percent. But Murdoch's lawyer is alleging that Curtis did shoot him and that it caused skull fracture and brain bleed. Now, the real question is, was Murdoch ever tested for GSR? Because that would show if he shot himself or if it was Curtis after all. Yep. Also, that's not a superficial injury, a skull fracture and a brain bleed. That's not at all superficial. So I was a little confused by that. Why the lawyer is saying one thing, but the medical report, I'm more likely to believe than what the medical report says than anyone that is representing Alex Alec. So there's another portion to this story that is what Alex Alex is saying is that Curtis was also my drug dealer. So basically he's like saying he got me hooked on opioids. Curtis says he never sold Alex Alec drugs, but unfortunately the lawyer doesn't ask him what percentage sure he was. So I don't know how much to believe him. I would have liked to know, how sure are you that you never sold him drugs? Now, guess what, kids? We're Mm. not even done yet. There's so much more. So wait a minute. Where is Alex Alex now? After this, what happens to him? He goes to the hospital. He is arrested at this point for insurance fraud. Because he tried to kill himself to have himself murdered. Okay, got it. Correct, Amundo. Only 12 days after he was shot or shot himself, he was in jail for insurance fraud. So they're starting to come after him at this point. Absolutely. The cops are like, okay, there's too much here, buddy. And it's a snowball effect. It's like once you get him for one thing, you can start to get him for other things. Yep. I guess he got out after being arrested for insurance fraud. He bonded out. He bonds out. Yeah. Then he goes to rehab. Right. And then when he's released, he's arrested again. Again. But not for the stage suicide attempt or the embezzlement or the double murder or the boat. It's for something entirely different. I was shocked. This is insane that it is still going. Does your family have stories of deceit and crimes that go back generations? How will you know if you're simply repeating the same crimes your grandfather or father committed instead of paving your own path? This holiday season, give your loved ones the gift of memories with StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve your family members' stories for years to come. Every week, they email your relatives a thought or your friends, you could get it for your friends or yourself, a thought-provoking question from their vast pool of possible prompts. Questions like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Imagine Alec Alex answering that question and imagine his relatives later reading those responses. Delightful. After a year, StoryWorth will compile all of your loved one's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book. 
My mom has been doing StoryWorth for a year and a half because Joni's got a lot of stories, like the recent one where she went to a fire station to have firemen take off a ring that was stuck on her finger. These things happen to her bi-weekly, and we can't forget them. Now she's also on the photo portion, so she's keen on me taking photos of everything in the house and sending them into StoryWorth. It's been such a good hobby for her in her retirement, and it's been great hearing her stories. With StoryWorth, you can give the most thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserve family stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash date dateline and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash date dateline and save $10 on your first purchase. You guys, best gift for the holidays. Amazing. It really is. You'll get a tear. If you give this, they will cry in a good way. And then you it's something that you all get to share forever. It's such a beautiful gift. Exactly. You get a book at the end. You all get to read these stories and you can save it forever after they're gone. It's a beautiful thing. Unbelievable. Thank you, StoryWorth. Thank you, StoryWorth. Speaking of holiday gifts, Katie, what do we have for the super classy people who like fancy drinks? And I'm not talking about like diet soda because for me, that's fancy. How about people that just like fancy? Yeah. I got a thing. Or people that just like interesting, thoughtful gifts. Reserve Bar is absolutely the place to go. It is the online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine and champagne, as well as barware. Oh, that's good. I love looking at barware. Visit ReserveBar.com to create the perfect home bar or to have the ideal gift delivered. It's also where you can find the best in new and hard to find bottles and those really cool celebrity spirits you've been wanting to try. I love looking at the celebrity spirits. All of the things that I saw were so neat looking. I want every single one. No one does spirits gift giving better than Reserve Bar. Have a bottle custom engraved with a name, a date, or a logo to create the perfect gift. And as we head into the gift giving season, go immediately to ReserveBar.com for the special people in your life or people that are just hard to shop for. Sometimes you just need a really fantastic, special, specialized gift for someone you need to impress. And trust me, a personalized bottle or some very swanky barware and a bottle will do the trick. I loved perusing the gift portion of the site, and I have been able to come up with some really surefire winner gifts for some of the more, shall we say, complicated people to shop for on my shopping list. You can also shop for yourself and build your dream at-home bar at reservebar.com. Just select the spirits, wine, and bubbly you love, and then check out all the glassware and the mixing tools that they've got. They're some beautiful pieces there, and I have a wish list that's lengthy. Let's just say that. Good to know. ReserveBar.com also offers the Cocktail Lounge, which is an online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and stories behind your favorite brands. They also specialize in ready-to-drink cocktails, which are really cool, all-in-one, one-and-done. They're super popular right now, and I love them because these pre-mixed drinks are great to have on hand for holiday parties or for any kind of get-together where you just don't want to have the mixing of drinks going on. They're just done. And they're also really cool looking. So check out reservebar.com today and use our promo code date dateline to save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine, or pre-made cocktails. But only when you use our special offer at reservebar.com. That's code date 
Dateline for $10 off your purchase of $75. That's reservebar.com code date dateline. And this offer expires December 31st, 2021. So get your holiday shopping started. Get on it. And reserve your spot at the bar. Thank you, reservebar.com. Such a good tagline. Well done. Your best yet. So back to this insane story. We have another case that is not really solved. So this is what he's been arrested for when he gets out of rehab. Correct. Yes. When it wasn't all those other things, it was this thing. Her name was Gloria Satterfield, and she was a housekeeper and babysitter for the Murdochs for years. She helped raise those children. And her siblings and her sons appear on Dateline, and they are just so, it's just so sad. It's so tragic. There's lots of tears. They all say that she was all about family and that the Murdoch children were like family to her. Like she felt like they were her own kids. Everyone in Hampton was all about family. Apparently, Craig tells us, whether you were a churchgoer or a bar hop, live in a single wide or a gated estate, lives are as intertwined as if they were a Pat Conroy novel. I thought they were Shakespeare and Faulkner and Grisham. Okay, no. Did they say intertwined? Did he say intertwined? Did he mean to say intertwined? Sorry. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was he like trying to make a Mark Twain reference? All right. Got it. Mark Twain. It's that's my fault because it's usually Mark Twain is the only author we hear about on Dateline. It's even on our bingo cards. Well, you slipped it in. So there you go. Now (laughs) I hear author Mark Twain was born there. Okay. Thank you. There we go. Gotcha. So in 2018, we have now rewound. Gloria fell down. Wait, when did the boat happen? 2018? The boat was in 19. Okay, so this is the earliest thing that has happened in our timeline so far. Gloria. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. I'm telling you, this is timeline is as tricky as the Lori Vallow situation. They're just skipping around in the timeline yeah. a lot. So it is kind of hard to keep track. Yeah. So... In 2018, Gloria fell down the front stairs of the Murdoch home. She tripped over the dogs. She had a head injury and she eventually died. And it's just horrible. Honestly, this family is so devastated by this. At the funeral, Alex Alec tells the sons, Gloria's sons, I accept all responsibility. I want to make sure that you guys are going to get an insurance settlement. So you should hire this lawyer, Corey Fleming. And then Craig Melvin says to us, remember him? And I screamed at the TV, no, Calvin, we don't. There's been 700 lawyers in this episode. Well, he's the shady one. He's the one that's the godfather and the family friend that keeps coming in and trying to weasel. He is the lawyer that Alex Alex recommended to Connor, who has the broken jaw in the hospital, without telling him, oh, by the way, he's my best friend and Paul's godfather, and he's in no way going to try to prosecute us for this. So he tells Gloria's sons, you should hire him and he'll make sure that you get the money because I want you guys to have the money for your mom's death. How is there an insurance policy on her when she worked for them? I'm not understanding exactly. You can get insurance on your employees, I think, or through your employers, not usually through a house, through just a household. Unsure. Do you see what I'm saying? It seems weird that he's trying to set them up to get money from him, but it's not from him. It's an insurance policy through the family. What I would guess is that he had 
signed her up for insurance and said, Gloria, I'll take care of this so that your kids get money. We're going to sign you up for an insurance policy. If something were to happen to you. God forbid. And I'll take care of everything because I'm a lawyer. You can trust me. You've been working for my family for years and I'll make sure they get the money in case, God forbid, anything happens to you. And so now he's saying, talk to this lawyer. He'll make sure that you get the money. This is bad. But no settlement comes. No money ever comes to Gloria's sons. Shocker. I wonder why their lawyer isn't making it happen. We're we're also seeing, sorry, the interview is with the siblings of Gloria and her two sons, and they're all splayed out. Yeah. They're, it's all of them being interviewed and telling us this story. And yeah. Three years go by. No money. Then Gloria's brother reads an article about Paul and Maggie's murder in 2021 that mentions a settlement in Gloria's case for half a million dollars. And he's like, say what? Oh, man. We never got a settlement from my sister's death. What are they talking about? So Gloria's family hires their own lawyers. Yes, there we go. How many times have I said lawyer? If you were playing a drinking game off of the word lawyer, you're dead. I'm so sorry. How many lawyers are in this county? So many. This is like the hub of lawyers. Yeah. So Gloria's family hires their own lawyers to find out where the heck that money went. Craig says, yep. Language. I like it. It's sassy. I like it. Just where the heck that money went. They're two lawyers. The Gloria's family's two lawyers tell Craig that Gloria's family got $0.0. No money. They've got no money. So they ask Corey Fleming, who was supposed to be in charge of the money, where did the money go? We read in this article that there was half a million dollars. We have not seen any money. And he doesn't respond to them. So they sue him. They sue Corey, the lawyer. They sue Alex Alec. And they sue a local banker. Because they want. Ooh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that's about either, but good for them. Corey then finally admits that there was a settlement and everything can be explained. What in the world? And it really, it can't be explained. It was just greed and stealing. So that's how I can explain it. It was against the law. Yeah, there we go. So I can explain what happened. I actually committed a crime and stole the money from you. It was crimes. That is what actually happened. I'm glad I could explain it. Are we good now? Great. Bye. Cool. Bye. So the lawyers discover that the settlement was actually in the millions. And they're trying to find out exactly how much money they subpoena Corey Fleming's bank account and all of his statements. And they put together that they find out that it was $4.3 million. Wow. On this, no offense, this housekeeper who obviously did not have a ton of money herself and her policy was $4.3 million that is shady as F. Right. So SLED, remember SLED? The toboggan people, the police tobogganers. The police, the special police detective unit, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So they announced last month, just last month, this is all constantly evolving, that they are investigating Gloria's death now. Because from avid Dateline watchers, like Katie and myself and like probably a lot of you, the death seems very suspicious and the amount of her insurance policy seems very suspicious and the whole thing super sus. Mm -hmm. 
and it's horrible. And this family has been destroyed by it. So Corey Fleming does reach a settlement with Gloria's family. We don't know for how much. I hope they got a lot of money. I hope they got all the money. And they do tell us that one of the sons specifically needs the money, which makes it all the more despicable. Yes. And everyone's even more angry than before. Right. The family says that she was treated like a nobody. She was treated not like a person, but it was like her body equaled dollar signs to Alex Alex. Yeah. That was what he concerned about. The family is so strong. They've forgiven Alex Alec, which I would say, good for you. I could not because, and I wonder if they find out more as people are investigating the death, they will maybe unforgive him. I think that do they're doing that thing where you forgive so you're able to move on and be like a human. Absolutely. Because otherwise you're just a revenge machine. So, and we see what happens when people are just filled with anger and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, it destroys themselves more than it destroys the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A good thing that came out of it is that Corey Fleming's law license is suspended. So that's something. Thank God. Thank God. So Alex Alec is in jail now for taking money from Gloria's family. And law enforcement is still not saying much about the murder of Paul and Maggie. Everything is kept fairly under wraps. But we're not done yet. There's a whole nother murder. That we haven't even gotten to. Were you surprised? I was surprised. I was surprised. And I know this case. I was surprised by Gloria. And then I was like, there's not another. There, we have 10 minutes left. How is there another murder? Oh, my God. This is unbelievable how deep this goes. So 2015. So now we're at the furthest back. Okay. This is our first one. <sighs> We are at the furthest back, except for that article I read that said that there was something shady with the grandfather or the great grandfather. And maybe it was that he died in a mysterious way, like you said. That would be like the first, first thing. But we're at the furthest back for Alec, immediate family. Okay. Correct. So 2015, a body is found on another deserted country road. It is a young man, only 19 years old, named Stephen Smith. And we meet his mom, Sandy, and his twin sister, Stephanie, adorable, all S's. They had heard that there was a body found, and then they tried to find Stephen, and he never came home that night, and they knew that it was him, and it's very sad. Uh. They find his car parked three miles away. It's locked, and he had his keys on him. The odd thing about the car is that I've never seen this before. The gas tank door is open. And the little... The cap. The gas cap. Yeah. The cap. The cap is hanging down. Yeah. And it's found three miles away. It's very strange. That almost makes me feel like someone saw an abandoned car and siphoned gas from it. Oh, yeah, maybe. So it's a totally unrelated thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or he was trying to put gas in it because he ran out of gas at that spot. And then was taken somewhere. And was interrupted. Right. So... They also say that Stephen has horrific injuries that Dateline, I felt like, went in a little too much detail on and showed some photos. And it was 
horrific. But they didn't show photos of the most horrific, but they did show more than they normally, they show photos more than they normally show. Yeah. Yeah. At first they think he was shot in the head and they tell the parent, the Sandy, the mom that he was shot in the head, but then they decide that it was blunt force trauma from being hit by a car. So the mom thinks that's very, doesn't make sense. She's very confused by that and suspicious. Stephen was a nursing student and he was openly gay. He was hanging out recently with people that his family didn't know about. He was having some secrets about who he was spending his time with. Very recently. Very recently. Like a couple weeks. Yeah. Not that. It's not like he'd been secretive for months. Right. So in a surprise move, Sled said that they are now looking into Stephen's case, because you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with the Murdochs? They are now looking into Stephen's murder from 2015 based on something they learned when working on Maggie and Paul's murders. Period. End of what we're told. Period. Dateline says nothing. All we get from Dateline about this is Craig sitting on a stoop with Sandy, Stephen's mom. And he's doing a sit and lean. They're both doing a sit and lean like he's taking Keith's lean and making it his own. And I was fine with it. A sit and lean with your elbow propped up. That is all we get about this. It's infuriating to get so little. We we hear they heard something. We're not going to tell you. And I think it's exactly what Katie said, which is we don't want to get sued. Right. We Nothing has been confirmed yet, but we will let you guys do the work because we know you're going to. And I've done a bunch of it for you. So you're welcome. <laughs> so do you want to talk about what the rumors are? Yeah. Do you want to talk about it right now with Steven? I think we should do it now. Yeah. Okay. So what do you know that I don't know? Well, what I heard, which is the biggest rumor mm-hmm. that's going around town, is that Buster... Remember Buster, the one brother, the older brother who has not had any crimes against him so far. I mean, not been accused of any crime so far. One of the theories is that Buster was having an affair with Stephen, didn't want people to know he was gay. Stephen was going to maybe out him or knew something he shouldn't have. And either Buster killed him or Alec Alex killed him or had someone kill him. Okay. So what did you hear? What rumors did you hear? So I didn't hear anything that concrete. I heard very specifically that it was nothing to do with Buster, according to his mother. He and Buster actually were on several sports teams together growing up, and that Buster was actually always very nice to him. And Paul, the young son, Mm -hmm. was not a good egg. Mm -hmm. And that he was very problematic, but Buster was actually trying to not go that way in the family. Buster was different because I think a lot of people weren't kind to Stephen and Buster was nice to him. But the mother said definitively that Buster and he did not have a relationship. But Stephen had told his mother that he was involved with someone from a very prominent family, but it was not Buster. That's what the mom said. Who does that leave? Alec Alex. Alec. Yeah. Or Paul. Or Paul. Yeah, or Paul. So 
Now, the thing that I heard, the most important thing, it wasn't more about like, because all the stuff about if he was seeing someone or all that stuff was like way speculation, right? Or just mm-hmm. hearsay. The mm-hmm. more stuff that I found was like about the actual crime. So what they found out, the Dateline doesn't tell us allegedly, is that when the highway patrol came to take the report of his death at the scene of the crime. First of all, he had three different death certificates because they kept changing how he was killed. It was very shady. And then, so it was like, he was shot. No, he was a hit and run. No, it was really scattered and not good. And in the notes of the highway patrol, they had the Murdoch family name written down something like 11 times because so many witnesses had mentioned the Murdochs in relationship to Stephen in mm-hmm. different regards and something about that his injuries could have been caused by a baseball bat, possibly from a moving car. So it's more looking like this could be a young hotshot idiot. So I'm thinking more in the Timmy Lane. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, did I say that dad Alec coached the team that Steven and Buster were on together? That's Mm. kind of important. Okay. When the crime happened, the FBI were involved initially and wanted to do a rape kit and a gunshot powder residue test and SLED denied both of those tests. So they didn't do either of those tests, which would have been very, very useful. So I don't know. I don't know if he was involved with either of them. I'm wondering if it wasn't a straight up hate crime. Except that he told his mom he was involved with someone from a very prominent family. Yeah, that's according to one report, though. So I don't know. You know, it's really like easy to throw something like that in there and make it really insightful. But it could just be more like someone witnessed that someone did something to him. But it was on a really private, small road. Near their house. Someone could have been in the car with the person who hit them and has spoken. But the Murdoch name kept coming up. Right. And and nothing happened for many years until the ball started rolling after Paul and Maggie's murder. And then SLED now is like... Now is looking into it. Letting that... But this was definitely... Oh, there was one other very crazy thing that happened. So the mom said that the day after... They found Stephen's body. She was contacted by a Murdoch lawyer. Interesting. Who said, I will take on your son's case for free. Unbelievable. And she said at the time she thought it was very odd. That's incredibly odd. Yep. There you go. That was a big one. Also incredibly odd that it wasn't Corey Fleming because they seem to want Corey Fleming to do it all for them. It might have been Corey Fleming. Yeah, it might have been Corey. But but she said it was somebody from the Murdoch family. Interesting. I don't think it was Alec Alex, but it was somebody. It could have been the brother. There's a I think it was the, the brother. Uncle. Yeah. Because the brother, the uncle had also worked with them on a different case in the past or something. It was some weird connection. This family has like roots and everything. Tentacles everywhere. And it seems a lot like if you have one bad seed in the family, then everyone's covering for that. And then if you've got a couple of bad seeds, oof. But the reports were that the mom had said, like, in an interview that Buster was okay. Interesting. So meanwhile, so Alex Alec is facing a million charges. There's civil lawsuits. There's criminal lawsuits. There's the wrongful death for Mallory's family because poor Mallory died on the boat. And... Connor is suing and Lori's family. 
Connor with the broken jaw is suing and Gloria's family is suing. So there are just so many. And we see this great graphic where it's Alec Alex's mugshot. And then all of these lawsuit paperwork just starts piling on until it's almost covering his face. It was very well done. Yeah. In September, so like literally last month, Alex Alex granted power of attorney to Buster and started liquidating assets, hiding assets, doing shady stuff. So the civil attorneys that are suing the Murdochs say that they are hiding assets. They have sold a boat. They have sold a bunch of properties. They are selling a hunting membership to a place called Green Swamp Club. I looked it up. I got some stuff. I feel like there's been so many murders at Green Swamp Club. Also, this family loved to hunt, especially Paul and Buster, loved to shoot wild animals out on their land. And the whole family's super into hunting. I feel like it's probably way classier than it sounds, but Green Swamp Club is does not sound classy. I don't know if it's classy. It's more that... Uh... There's a membership fee and they belong, which makes me think it's fancy. Well, I think what it is, is that you own parts of the swamp to hunt in. And it's I think it's deer there where they are. And what this is, is though this is a dog hunting club. Don't it's not like they're hunting dogs. They're using dogs. They're using dogs to hunt. So the dog that she tripped over, by the way, was a hunting dog. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of these dogs are trained to knock people downstairs to kill prey. Yeah. So it's like a specialized kind of club. And I don't think that's legal everywhere. Oh, I'm not sure. I got to do some more research, but I was surprised it wasn't people. So <laughs> it wasn't the most dangerous game. I found no evidence that it was people. Katie, you think they're going to just say it on the website? We hunt the most dangerous game people. No, they are in the skull and bones allegedly no allegedly allegedly this is something that i've seen in movies that maybe might be happening i know that it cl i clicked on one link and my phone might be infected with something now i know that that <laughs> happened at some point during my research and so i stopped <laughs> so buster has most recently been seen in vegas mm -hmm. because that's a great look when your dad's in jail and just giving you power of attorney and your family is being accused of liquidating all of your assets so that the money can't be taken away, go to Vegas. Great look. In my fantasy, Buster's in Vegas just spending all the money. Oh, yeah, for sure he is. He doesn't care. And then he saved himself a little nest egg and he's moving to Juneau, Alaska. That's my thought. And he's just going to live up there in a cabin. I did find out something maybe you did, too, about Buster from someone on Twitter. In case you were wondering a little bit about Buster's character. So we did say he, maybe he was nice to Stephen and now he's in Vegas. We don't know what happened. Anyways, I don't want to speculate, but allegedly Buster attended the University of South Carolina School of Law. He was going to follow in his father's footsteps to become a lawyer. But in 2019, he was kicked out of school for plagiarism. So... Oh, wow. So Paul was also going to that school. Weird. Both brothers were at that school. Hmm. And but Paul got to come back after he caused someone's death in the boat accident. But Buster got the boot. Buster got the boot for plagiarism. Well, that ruins my fantasy. I know you liked Buster and we thought Buster was maybe nice. 
No, I just wanted him to, I just wanted one. And we also, by the way, this case was frustrating on a bunch of levels, but we learned nothing about Maggie, the mom. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Can we learn any information? No one talks about her. The only thing I read was she loved to wear furs around town. That's literally the only thing that I found out. Did she do anything else? Did she have family or mom and dad? Anyone? I think the family did some charity stuff and I would guess she was involved in that like a lot of wealthy families do. But we don't really know. And we don't really know for sure if she was planning to divorce Alec Alex. She did, they think, meet with a divorce lawyer. Another lawyer. Well, I heard that she met with the divorce attorney after she wrote a check to a charity and it bounced. Allegedly. Oh, interesting. She wanted out before all the financial crimes came about. Yeah, she's no dummy. No. And also her sons were, there were problems. They were pro- the most problematic that plural that we have seen in a while. And, and one of them is no longer with us. And that's very sad. Do we need to mention that they're gingers? I feel like I need to mention it because it's going to lead into what I'm saying right now. Go for it. We talk about the nickname for who had a nickname. We had a few nicknames in this episode, but actually he had a nickname. Alec did. Are you ready? Yeah. And I'm big red. (laughs) Sorry, if you haven't seen Bring It On, you won't understand that reference. Who hasn't seen Bring It On? Joni. I'm sure a lot of people. No, I think Joni even has seen Bring It On. Oh, I used to watch that movie religiously. Yeah. That was my religion. That was my mother god cult was Bring It On. His nickname was Big Red. That's gross. Okay. And I love a ginger. Again, he looks like a giant baby. Yeah. (laughs) How many times can I say it? I love a ginger. You do. Not these ones. Not these ones. These might be the first that I don't like. I cannot wait to see what happens in this case. I, I really can't wait. It's wild and this is nothing has been like definitively closed or solved or prosecuted completely and it's scary because it feels like he could almost get away with it because lawyers i don't know it but it does seem like sled is like now okay we've got him we're in the clear we're gonna get him they're just taking him down now and let's get all these other crimes too. take down everything yeah i'm glad that they're doing that I'm glad they're going to get him on ev- get him on everything. Poor Gloria's family, poor Stephen and Stephen's family, Mallory and Mallory's family. These people just got involved with this family and it just, this family thinks they can get away with anything they want. It's gross. Okay. We have a very special dedication to do this week for Amanda, or sometimes casually known as Mandy who has been one of our highest levels of Patroni for a very long time. And I said, what do you want, Mandy? What do you want? But in a nice way, what can we give to you? And she said, will you watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix and recap it? And I watched the first episode and I came back and I said, what else do you want, Mandy? I can't do that to my brain. That show is ridiculous. I don't know what it, I don't know anything about it. Is it a reality show? It's people who are trapped on an island and they are going to try to win a million dollars and they are all supposed to hook up with each other. They're just a bunch of horn dogs in bathing suits, really good looking people. And then on the first night, a robot comes up out of the countertop and says, you're actually on a show called Too Hot to Handle. This is not like 
sex on the beach, paradise, whatever, Love Island. Love Island. This is a show called Too Hot to Handle where you can't touch each other. You can't make out. You can't do anything. And if you do and you're caught, you lose money and the whole group loses money. So you're going to piss off everybody here. The further you go, the more money you're going to lose. And it is so funny. Their faces, they're so mad. I'm so glad someone came up with that idea. That's wonderful. Because they're just really attractive, really sexually active 23-year-olds. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's hysterical. And they let them flirt. They let them flirt all day and discover who they want and who they want to be friends with and who they love. And they all start like getting really excited. And then they're told it's too hot to handle. You can't kiss. And then on the first night, a couple totally breaks it and makes out and they lose much money. And then everyone's mad at them. And then I don't know what happens if you're kicked off the island or whatever, but you lose money from the pot, the main pot, anytime anyone breaks it. So basically, it's just a bunch of people trying to stop each other from having sex. So they can win money. That's a hysterical (laughs) premise. Mandy, we may not be able to cover that because it might be too hot for us. And I can't watch (laughs) intimacy on screen. So there's that. But what I can give you is, oh, Mandy. (laughs) The show is your nightmare. And you came and you kept giving. And we're keeping you here, oh, Mandy. I'm sure you've been sung that song about a thousand times. But it is my go-to karaoke number. The other thing Mandy said was she wants some introduction drama. Introductory? Introductory like drama games for kids. So I did a little digging. My friend Joe Buery, who was on Broadway in Jersey Boys, and he's amazing. He also like does a kids camp for teaching, told us some. So I will email you those. Katie, I'm sure will has some. This is a pen. A what? A pen. Oh, a pen. Thank you. Oh, that's a good one. This is a chair. A what? A chair. Oh, a chair. Thank you. Oh, sure. We'll give you what, all What, do you just keep pointing to things? You didn't do repetition? But then the person at the beginning is, keeps introducing new things. So it's like a big round. They can, or you can do it once all the way around. Stop. Start with a new object. One thing Joe said was you say that the room is filled with something and then people have to walk across the room pretending to be in it and it can be anything it could be like nutella or clouds or slime or no gravity or like so that's really fun for kids but anyways mandy we love you thank you so much mandy you're amazing i hope this was adequate to express how grateful we are to you thank you thank you mandy i can't say it enough or amanda or Amanda, depending on Mandy, if you what is that? Nah, I was trying to do Miss Janet, if Ms. you're nasty. Mandy, if you're nasty. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah. Okay, Janet, there we go. if you're nasty. Yeah, I was trying to do. It didn't work. B-roll Bonanza. The reporter's desk has so many papers on it, just files and papers. And you know, he pushed them all to the back because they're all in the back so he could <laughs> have his desk clear. But I loved it. And I, you weren't fooling me for a second. I live at a messy desk, so I know what that is. I know. I, I see it. you, Mike DeWitt. We see Sandy, the mom Sandy, on a rocking, swinging bench thing. Very Southern. Maybe with a mint julep. Unsure. She should have one, though. Good for her. And then we see Gloria's sister leaning against a truck, doing a truck lean. I thought that was pretty good. And then we see that local reporter with the backpack taking a photo 
of the law firm, the big building that the law firm, the Murdoch firm is at. And we don't see a lot of photography B-roll. The town itself seems very small. Yes. It's got that one main street and everyone's sort of walking down it the whole time. But we see the same images over and over. Yes. And we also get a water tower shot, which is how we know what the town's logo is. Also, we see the town sign. It's a watermelon. It's just watermelon everywhere. So it says Hampton watermelon. I mean, it doesn't say it has a picture of a watermelon on the water tower. Never seen that before. I wish they had told us how big the town was. I also probably could have looked it up, but it seemed like that they were kind of running the county. Yes, I think so. The Murdochs were. They were the law firm for the area. So all he did was a personal injury attorney. He wasn't any other kind of law at that point. Yeah, that firm made so much money doing personal injury stuff. I also did read something about the firm that they never lost. Yeah. They knew everyone, just like we said. I did read that. And on Dateline, they said they got higher claims for these people than normal firms would get. Somehow they were able to win huge numbers for these people's cases. Strange. Do you have any fashion police? The Satterfield family. So Gloria's family, I thought looked really nice for Dateline. Yeah. They were all dressed up. They were all in button downs. They looked fantastic. Yes. And I appreciate that. Connor's hair. Connor who broke his jaw. Yeah. He had the full beeb. Oh. It seemed right. It was pushed forward, front forward. The old beeb, the original beeb. To the side, beeberific. Interesting. Craig Mel, he is wearing a lavender bracelet that looks like it's for a charity. And I don't know what it was for. If anyone knows, let me know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where my phone is either. Lavender. What's lavender? I don't know. Maybe specific kind of cancer, maybe sometimes. Maybe. Or maybe just it was the daughter. His daughter gave him a bracelet. I don't know. I liked it. Oh, yeah. I did like him, though, by the way, as a host. Yeah, I totally like him. Good addition. I have nothing, nothing bad to say about him. But he's not a real addition. He's like a. He's one of those once in a couple, maybe once or twice a season comes on and does like a special episode. And he's been working this case kind of. Right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So. Do you have any titles? I really actually have very few titles. Yeah, me too. Only a few. I actually only have one now that I think about it. Oh, go ahead. The most obvious title that everyone on the internet came up with, which is The Murder Murders. Oh, I just said straight up Murder Doc. So you're just adding a D-E-R. Murder Doc. After Mur. Right. That's it. The Murder Murders. There we go. If you're saying it like they do in the office episode when they're in Savannah. (laughs) Exactly. What about good lawyers versus bad lawyers? Yeah. Hampton Smackdown. Uh, Big red in the red. Lying, cheating, stealing and murder. Because one of our quotable quotes from the episodes at the very end and the lawyer says there's lying, cheating, stealing. And it was really good. It was like everything had the apostrophe at the end. (laughs) and murder what do we have for twitter well uh, there's only one twitter that really matters one tweet oh and that is josh mankiewicz it is from dateline get ready katie you're not gonna like it oh i know what it says oliver already showed me i was prepped (laughs) why does he do that that's fine i don't care because dateline said it too dateline's hip mr hip dateline tweeted alex murda sus That was great. I wanted, was that a shout out to you? I wanted it to be. 
I don't think they listen. I mean, they say they listen sometimes, but I don't really think they listen. I hope it was a shout out to you. It made me happy in my heart because I thought maybe you were getting a shout out. I said, now Dayline and I, soulmates, Katie can never make fun of me for saying this, even though I'm way too old. Let's face it. I'm way too old to say sus. No, you're it's not. True. You can <laughs> I'm trying to be a good friend. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want you to feel strong in your choices. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed at all. I'm going to proudly continue to say sus. So especially now that it's been endorsed by Dateline. Especially because it annoys me. You say things just because you know it annoys me. So I mean, the minute if I had never wanted you to say it again, I would have said nothing. And then it would have just gone away on its own. And instead, I made it a thousand times worse. That means you do like when I say fingering in the finger licks. I I hate it. Then you shouldn't have told me. There's so many things. There's so many things about that. That's not okay. But (laughs) but Josh Mako had said it first. So, yeah, that's fine. But he did not say sus. No, he didn't. Sus was all you. And now it's Dateline. So now it's in the vernacular. I can't stop. I don't have to like it. I can't stop it. Yeah. It's the train barreling down on the inevitable, whatever, old age. It's the Chinese bullet train barreling down on us like 40. (laughs) Thank you, Keith Morrison, for that. Never forget it. Expression that has made all of us feel like crap. 40 was barreling down on her like a Chinese bullet train. I would like to say that if anybody out there knows anything on this, we put out a lot of stuff we read, random things, theories out there in the world. If anybody knows anything, just let us know. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I'd like some more information on this because it was really hard to find stuff. And everything I read felt like it was maybe true. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of thing. Well, there's nothing that is too crazy that couldn't be true with his family. That's true too. So it was like you never knew what was happening. Oh, but it was a great, this was a great case. Yeah. And I hope there's more episodes on it. I true. I hope there's as many as Lori and Chad because we've had five of those and I would like five of this too. Yeah. I don't want more people to die, just to be clear. I would like just more. No, I really don't. This is plenty. I just want information to be out and I want to know the truth. Yeah. Especially for some of these families, this is years in the making. I'm glad that it's getting the attention it is. Good. Let's get some justice here. If it scares one rich old dude who thinks he can act with impunity, then if it stops him from doing one crime or stealing money from one person, then that'll be worth it. It won't, though. Let's be real. It's not going to. But that was the weird thing, though, what they said about the the $4.3 million, the life insurance policy, how there was no way to spend that money in Hampton, South Carolina. So where were they hiding it or what were they doing with it when they stole her life insurance policy? Mm-hmm. But I think he stole it to pay back the money he was stealing from the firm. But why did he steal the money from the firm? Someone has vices that we don't know about. Or a spending problem that we don't know about. And I think the vices are more expensive than opiates. I'm going to say that. Maybe he had to build, no joke, a $2 million library to keep Paul from being kicked out of college. That stuff costs money. I have a lot of questions. So many questions. Ooh, I hope somebody has answers. It's going to kill me. Let us know. 
please. Thank you, everyone. Check us out on our other podcast, A Date with the Bake, where we cover the Great British Bake Off. And check us out on Patreon, where we give you an extra episode a month. And then at our $10 level, we do live streams that are very fun. And also, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Date Dateline and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! Thank you, everybody. And leave us a review. Thank you. Be your own boat. Be your own boat. Be your own boat driver. Thank you. Better. Drive your own boat. And we wish you a safe harbor. Stay fresh, cheese bags. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Once in a while, the poet. Once in a while.